This is Paul from Daily Review. And this is Mike from Pop Culture Review. And we're talking about Avenue 5. This one was the third episode of the first, and I'm going to assume only season of Avenue 5. This one was called I'm a Hand Model. Which I did not hear during the episode. Every other episode so far, I've heard the title. This one completely missed me by. It was during the scene where the captain is finding out that his bridge crew are all actors. Oh, and- okay. Well, it's, it's one of the women says that she's a hand model, so she feels like she's a little more qualified given all the hand work they have to do. The buttons and everything are all done on a sequence, right. so they just have to know when to tap them to match the sequence, so that that's what qualifies her. <laughs> I was really impressed with uh, how much ownership uh, that Sarah took of it uh, with the lights. She seemed very much that she she really took a lot of pride in bringing the lights from red to white back to red again yes uh, and she also controlled the, the the deploy and undeploy of the of the steering wheel uh let, let's start i what we were talking about so let's start there at the end how were you surprised that he was so shocked that it was a fake crew given that he's a fake captain i was surprised because haven't you assumed that they were fake the entire time especially once we found out that he was fake i just assumed this entire time that they were not real I did not assume that they were not real, but I did assume that they were doing inconsequential things, you know, like managing the most cosmetic portions of running a cruise ship. Nothing that they would do would actually steer the ship. Well, I guess that they really are, though. I mean, she's controlling the lights, which for (laughs) ambiance, you know, and bringing up and down the, the steering wheel. Yeah, so I was I, I found it a little hard to believe that he was so shocked that he was almost betrayed. Like, dude, you're like a like a fake British guy actor, you know, who's drunk apparently a lot of the time. Like, we really delved into his alcoholism uh, <laughs> right, this episode, right. also. Well, and and uh, I guess that and his behavior with Karen once she accepts the the job. I don't know if it surprised me, but it left me uh, disappointed <laughs> in the in the captain, because which is a funny thing to say in a show with such low stakes in it. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that he gave up his his entire ruse once he figured that he had Karen on the inner circle. I don't think he was doing it intentionally. I think he was just so sloshed that he couldn't keep track of his lies. I don't think he's a very ta- I think he's one of those actors who keeps their sides tucked behind the furniture on stage. I don't think he's very good with keeping all of his lines together. That's how I took it. I think that's he a, thought That's a good observation. I think he thought that she knew these things and he was just kind of rolling cuz he was, you know, pretty drunk on his Cuz she um, seemed to know everything else all along right. the way. Right, right, right. Yeah, that uh, makes yeah. sense. I think he was deep into his Jodvaka fueled bloody marys by that point. So uh, but let's go back to the bridge before we leave that for one second. What did sure. you think of the uh, the pit that has the actual unattractive engineers, or I guess less attractive engineers in the hole? Uh, did you did you like uh, Billy's explanation that it's a front of house backstage kind of setup? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty pretty good. I bet we get to know them a little bit better by the end of this thing. Because uh, they're the ones that kind of figure into saving the ship, actually. Because as we found out, as you predicted, Cyrus's six-month plan did he? As I think you said, he he would forget to have carried the one. Yeah, 
I had assumed uh, it was going to be some kind of math problem. Sure, right. And it was. Well, it seems like a big thing. I guess out of 500 out of 5,000 is, isn't the worst thing you could forget, but that's a lot of people to forget to calculate into your math, even if they are just contest winners. I mean, 10% would make your calculations go from six months to three and a half years. I don't know. I don't know math that good, but it seems like a pretty dramatic swing <laughs> for, for such a low percentage. Yeah. And more surprisingly, that was that like Billy at the beginning of the episode, she comes in and she's now defending him as if she had checked the math herself. You know, well, I think she had, but with the 4,500 probably. Oh, oh, maybe. Yeah, because like, then because I was gonna put some blame on her then too. I said, well, you didn't catch the ten percent mistake either. Because <laughs> I think she did vet the maybe the navigational numbers, but she, maybe she you could you could see where someone might accept certain givens and just kind of roll with it and um, not double check like the very foundational parts of the equation, such as the actual mass of the ship. I think you're probably right. The general ratings on the show and the overall take is, I don't know that we're ever going to get to see that full three and a half year voyage play out. <laughs> but, I, you know, it, a part of me when I was watching it when at the beginning of the episode when they said that, you know, they confirmed the six months, I was like, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, that maybe makes it so they can wrap it up in one season, yeah. you know, and uh, three and a half years just seems like a, like a big optimistic swing. It's probably not the cheapest show that they make. In comparison to something like, what's the one, Room 104, yeah. uh, where they have a small cha interchangeable uh, cast every week and they just have to re redress the same set every week for something new. And that's it. Uh, in comparison, when they can make a million seasons of that, uh, you know, it might every, the whole run of Room 104 might have not cost as much as the single season of Avenue 5. For right. There, there's a podcast I like that's called Blank Check, and uh, the two guys that do the show, their whole thing is they look at directors of movies who become very famous for a movie, so famous that their next project uh, studio will give them a quote unquote blank check to do whatever they want. And sometimes those, you know, those checks cash, you know, they clear and sometimes they bounce big, you know, and it's actually surprising how many directors really just fuck up their greatest opportunity to make whatever they want. And right. I feel like HBO came to Armando Iannucci and was like, Veep was a cash cow and a darling for so many years. Do whatever you want. Yeah. And he, and he was like, I got an idea for you guys. Uh, so this seems very much like a uh, blank check that may very much bounce at the uh, HBO box office. You do see that quite a bit. Or an uh, alternative is that you have a cash cow director who then is allowed to make a passion project so that they can. It may not cost a lot, but at least they get to make it. You know, that that's yeah. a, I don't know if that's a blank check situation, but that's that's a similar kind of thing that happens. This seems like this, this ha other than maybe salary, because Julia Louis-Dreyfus probably cost a lot of money, but overall, this seems like a much more expensive show to make for HBO than probably Veep did. Yeah, and, and maybe just to keep him in the stable, they, they, they wanted him to do whatever he wanted, so then he can do you know continue to do more work for them. But this seems like an expensive, wacky experiment. This seems almost like the kind of show like Mystery Science Theater 3000 would take a look at back in the day, <laughs> you know, and break down. Yeah. I don't know. 
What did you think of the Mia and Doug stuff? You mean the cathartic calling Rav and just the whole thing? They're still fighting. the The neighbors are still snitching on them. Just their whole shtick. I mean, because we had talked at the beginning of this, were they going to be a, a, a set of characters that we were going to follow continuously? And I think the answer is yes, for sure. They are central characters to the show. So I guess we're, we're stuck with them. So we should, you know, understand. I guess what's going on with them. They are not particularly enjoyable. Uh, no. When they're on screen, let's see. We started with the what is it? The arguing with the housekeeper about yes. the towel. No, I think that's a rook. No, that's an asshole. Oh, puck ring's beautiful. That ring actually really true to me. That was the only thing I was in defense of them in this episode. One thing I like about when I go on cruises is the cabin staff, the towel animals that you get made for you and left in your room, like a little surprise at nighttime. Yeah, is actually a very important personal source of happiness for me because some of them are very talented they make monkeys that hang from hangers they make all sorts of complicated sea life like they really get you know they'll grab your they'll go through your shit which is a little weird and like they'll grab your sunglasses or like a pill bottle and like they'll like you know put like maybe a bottle of alcohol in like the little seal's hand flipper or something on the bed it gets really elaborate and it's a really you know especially if you have kids it's like a great thing on a cruise ship so I appreciated their outrage at the sad, sad towel animal that the disinterested <laughs> cabin woman left for them. Animal. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Well, I guess body part maybe was more <laughs> was more appropriate. What did you think of Matt's reaction to that? He was the best part of the Mia Doug stuff is, is when Matt is there. What was it? He tried to say that it was something else, but then he actually looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's an anus or whatever it was that he, that he said. Matt was, throughout the whole episode, did his did his job pretty well in, the, in terms of providing that snarky uh, comic relief that we'd mentioned in the previous podcasts. How did they get to the point, though, where were they... We're going to have like this session with him on video phone to Rav and they were just going to start screaming into the phone. Was there like a connective scene there where he said that they were going to do that, have this have this session? No, I think it stems from last week when he said that the that he was going to be their therapist because the actual therapist, it was the Black Friday for emergency mental health. So I think this was picking up on that plot line, plus that they were still, I mean, he comes in their room initially to tell them that they're still arguing so much that people are still complaining about them. They're so loud I and think, sexually explicit arguing. Yes, yes. But I got the impression not in a hot sexual way, more in just like the vulgar terms that they're using. I believe so, yeah. Because I, I think she even responds, those guys can go fuck themselves. So <laughs> when next we see him with the video camera, I think that's just his idea of therapy. I think that is his plan that he has come up with to treat them, quote unquote, treat them in therapy. Yeah, so Because he... he explains it almost like a dream catcher, except for it's a video camera. Because, like, you know, he, his idea is that shout all of your complaints about the world and each other and I guess Rav also into into this the eye of this looking feather looking thing that's actually a video camera and uh, you'll feel better. I think that's the extent of his uh, therapy training. It must be because the other end of that particular piece of pop psychology is that you just destroy the recording you don't share it with the person who you're pointing the anger at yes especially when he also himself added in some color commentary which i again i found very funny you know she you know mia is screaming at rav in the camera and then matt is piling on top of it yelling at 
Rav also in the camera about making her friend feel so bad. I thought that was pretty funny that he was adding on to it. It did seem like a misstep then to actually go and send the video. I do not think Mia understood that that was going to be part of the process. (laughs) Yeah, well, I wouldn't have have either, really. So we have a small continuation of a previous plot thread, Mia having some relationship with Rav, and they even get Rav on the phone live at one point. But since there was a delay, Rav kind of lost patience with the whole thing and just kind of hung up on them. So that was a terrible payoff for... (laughs) for that continuing plot thread. I mean, if I had to make any prediction on that, it would just be like, well, more of the same. They'll try. They'll keep trying to get a hold of Rav because they haven't really done so yet. Maybe it'll be to apologize for the for this week's video transmission, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Rav is having maybe the worst, no good, awful, downright bad day between all the videos. That, you know, her email is clogged with videos from the ship, and then she's got her pe- press conference also right after learning about the three-and-a-half-year bump. But uh, she doesn't even look at the video. She looks at, like, the first, like, five seconds of it, and then just kind of scrolls past it when she sees it's just Mia and, I guess, Matt also screaming at her through different clips. So I don't even know if she's going to sit there and watch the video. Uh, what did you think of the continuing dead bodies and transparent coffins circling the ship? Various levels of normalization are starting to occur. At the beginning, when the when they show the Judd Spa, I think they call it Judd Better. <laughs> With the voice of Judd telling you how to relax. I did not find that soothing at all, nor yeah, do I think either. I would find that soothing if I was that me in real life. So No, I don't think so. Um, not for me, anyway. So that woman freaks out, but later on, in that kind of intercut scene where we have Captain speaking to his multiple life partners. A major development this week. I mean, as far as character development goes, that's a significant character development for for Captain Ryan. That scene and who else was intercut with that? I think that was the therapy. Maybe it was also intercut with the comedian. The stand-up comedian with the wonderfully backlit window to space. To, to remind the listener, he feels it's awkward to keep talking about comedic things with the bodies floating by and they're kind of like in these weird ice cube types type states right they're also wrapped in the same kind of gold foil body wrap that it seems that they use in the spa too the lady was kind of trapped when she was screaming when she's watching the body float by in the spa she looked like she was wrapped in the same kind of gold foil Uh, that the bodies were also wrapped in that are circling the ship but he just gives him a second to get by and he's ready to go again even though the crowd is still maybe not exactly ready because they're still upset about seeing but i think we'll i think we'll see as we go that the level of people just kind of normalizing these dead bodies floating by we'll get to the point where they just don't even notice anymore which will probably be funny in itself i I gotta tell you i actually found the cringe factor of the body floating by the window because they held on the shot for so long as the comedian just watched it in horror with the rest of the crowd and it it just stayed there and it stayed there probably 20 seconds like too long for anyone to be comfortable and i found that funny i i like the commitment to how cringy and horrible that would be you know and the way it would just kill your set your type five becomes a very loose <laughs> a loose 10 when the body is floating by the window exactly so. it's a it's sort of a metaphor for the humor approach to the whole show <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's almost like you're getting rewarded if you can hang on to the end. You have to get through the dead bodies, though. <laughs> no, let's talk about Karen. Sure. Uh, because 
th this this seems to be a way to funnel her passion for causing trouble and being nosy when Matt seems completely how would I say doesn't give a shit about actually dealing with the customer service issues just really kind of having fun with them which I think is his whole vibe is he's just trying to make the best of it for himself and if anyone else is benefited by his own brand of sense of humor that he's using to make himself laugh, I, I think then that's a win for him. Ryan realizes that he needs Karen to be a passenger liaison off officer on the ship. What did you think of that? Is that is that an adequate resolution for giving her something to do? That's actually a pretty good captain move for a guy that's not really a captain, isn't it? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. It, it's that sort of sort of move, right? And he hits all the right moves because I mean he launches the offer in that massive executive suite. You know, uh -huh. he really seems to actually know what. Makes makes Karen tick. That part of it was like, wow, Ryan might actually have some, <laughs> if, if not training, then, then innate talent for leading people. That was actually kind of a good part of this episode. Other than him really spilling the beans in his drunken state, I actually think this was a good episode for Ryan as far as leadership goes. You know, which I think is what he kind of said was the one benefit that he brought. You know, he brings a captainly gravitas to the you're right with the with the Karen the way he dealt with that, the way he kind of maneuvered her and manipulated her into the position. With uh, regard to Karen and their negotiations. <laughs> Why do you think she kept getting back to the idea that she thought that the captain would eventually proposition her for sex? <laughs> um, Is that well, one of the, could... the lady doth protest too much situations? Yes, I think that's exactly right. I think, one, she probably finds herself appealing and probably assumes the way she comes off as appealing to a certain type of person. Combine that with the way he had the big room. It was just them. He took her to the couch. I think she felt like she was being wooed, and for her it was kind of the next step. But yes, I think she was definitely protesting too much. I think she would have definitely been down to clown with the handsome British captain or newly British <laughs> captain uh, had he been so inclined. Karen uh, is a complicated woman she is a something out of a 80s like working girl a type personality kind of female the way she's drawn i can't you imagine know? that that her husband gives her quite everything that she needs <laughs> You know? No, he's a bit of a doormat. I think he thinks that he's doing the right thing by being a doormat. But I think she wants a little bit more of a tiger in her life that she's not getting from him. But maybe she thinks that she can get from Captain Ryan. If, if she's like the carnival barker, then he's sort of like the shill that, <laughs> that they put in the crowd to be like, oh, that's interesting. Cause, and, he do, and he seems to play that part with a lot of zeal. Gusto. Yeah. I mean, when Matt makes the joke about which came first, because he says that he got uh, two sets of chickens, you know, the eggs and the chicken bits on his plate. Yeah. Matt, can I wear you as an insult-proof vest? Of course. Mr. Kelly, how can we help? Frank, tell this pair of empty smiles about your double chicken. So I got served chicken and eggs. But which came first? <laughs> <laughs> they came together, actually. Yummy. That made you happy. Frank, you are enchanting. You know what's not enchanting? Your huckleberry tone. Yes, and I am seething with anger. Okay, you ready for this? Max, talk at them. I found gum on my pillow. So in some cultures, that's actually considered good luck. Tim, yeah. hit him. Physically, if you want to. The lady at the nursery, 
She called my son a pig. Well, to the Chinese, which is most people, the pig represents wealth and hard work. Mm -hmm. They're not the fat, filthy scavengers that everyone thinks they're. Okay. Okay. And he's just really delighted at that joke that Matt makes about which came first. And <laughs> they Matt came at the same him, he's time. Like, yeah, he's like, they came at the same time. And then, you know, they're liking it. And Matt says to him, look, you're really happy. You know, like, you're so simple. Like, that's essentially what he's saying. Like, you're so simple and now you're happy. Um, I think that kind of thing just infuriates Karen. You know, unless she's the one doing it. If anyone else is doing that to her husband, I think it pisses her off that he doesn't stand up for himself. We had a big development and the possible new definitions of marriage 40 years future. He's in a thruple, Paul, a thruple. I've been waiting a long time. You hear this word every now and then now, and now I've gotten to use it in an actual show that's not Schitt's Creek, which is, I think, where I first heard it. He's in a thruple with a man named Stan and a woman. Did we learn her name? I don't recall call he just i don't think because i think they just refer to her they they both refer to her as as my wife i think so, right and then we and then we also have the picture of their it looks like a wedding photo of the of the two men in uh tuxedos of some sort flanking her in what looks like a wedding dress interesting character development that i did not see coming i've seen this in other science fiction books but they were set so far into the future that all modern mores and traditions and things were set aside for new things. This only being 40 years in the future and the state of how I only have experience thinking about Western countries, but the way Western countries seem to approach marriage, 40 years seems like something something big changed <laughs> between now and then to, to, to make that something of a mainstream, possibly a mainstream, I mean, you know, I'm assuming it's a mainstream, kind of uh life or maybe it's maybe it's just a british thing you know there was definitely a little bit more of that anti-british sentiment in this episode the way karen kind of initially reacts when she hears his uh, his accent change you know she recoils a little bit against the britishness of it so i wonder if this is another example of you know 40 years into the future some continuing anti-american sentiment towards brits and maybe their new fangled uh, lifestyles. I wonder if we'll get any more of that. It's a very weird thing that they haven't explored at all. So yeah, I'm also curious if they're going to, you know, are we going to continue to learn more about him and this relationship? I mean, both his husband and wife seem to be very upset with him for being on this journey, even for the eight weeks, Stan says, but the idea of three and a half years seems to really, really upset both of them. Right. I mean, they had to have known that he was signing up for at least the even the initial cruise. Why would this? I mean, he's been on cruises before. He was the supposed hero of Avenue Three. So right. this is basically his job. It seems like pretty old arguments to be bringing up again when the when he there's clearly nothing he can do about it. Especially with math being as difficult as it is. I mean, it's hard to calculate that kind of thing. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, three years and three and a half years. So I, yeah, I wonder I if the if his thruppledom will will be a source of support for him or if that's just going to be like we'll see them one more time before the season's doubt and that's it maybe they will have declared him dead or something and added a third to their new thruple i can't see it being a serious source of comfort for it. this doesn't seem like that show where he would be able to call them for having you know, after having a bad day so i think if we see them again it's going to be some kind of purely uh, comedic part that makes sense i wasn't surprised at the thruple them i was surprised that they did that with a character at all that we got any kind of backstory at all is what surprised me. maybe i'm not giving the show enough credit maybe you know it's still early it's episode three of what eight and maybe there's a long game here that we're slowly being spoon-fed that was kind of it for this episode in terms of learning any kind of backstory uh, the 
there actually was not a lot of Judd and Iris in this one. No, other than Judd's plan, where you get some real insight into how Judd thinks when he's describing his plan about coming close to the Earth for 48 hours and using 500 rescue ships to offload them all back to Earth. Yeah. You know, that that, that was some real Juddism, uh, which again, I think was another poke at being rich equals being intelligent. You know, I think we talked about that a little bit, uh, I think in the first episode that- We did. You know, what- what is this show parodying or, or giving satire to? Uh, I think this was another episode where we get to see Judd as someone where you just think, how is this person so wealthy? How could they have possibly earned all of the money that they seem to have? Because he seems like such a fucking dolt. It almost implies inheritance. <laughs> it does. It does. I did laugh, though, when he's talking about the 5,000 souls and he gives the scare quotes around souls. Yes. It made me laugh. <laughs> it made me laugh. You know, like, that's where I really enjoy the show best is, like, those very little lines all the mat lines or like those very little lines that uh, that Judd will throw off or that, you know, Hugh, Hugh Laurie will throw off. Big major points this episode were that Cyrus was wrong. They promote Karen and they want to throw put together a sad vigil. Well, it is a sad vigil now because of the lack of numbers, but they want to put together a heartstring emotional vigil down on Earth to help pay for their rescue plan. Right. That was the real thrust of their plot line, together with Rav down on Earth, that the Vigil needs some sad-looking actors, non-union actors, to, to bulk up the emotional heartstrings. What did she say? Something like, uh, I need sad and non-union, and she said something to the effect of, don't those two normally go together? <laughs> she did. She did, and it made me laugh. She did. She's like, those two usually go together. Right. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> Karen can't say curse words? No. F me. F me with a CP. No! It was, it was a running thing in the show, but then it really reaches her peak. She says, you know, F me with a CB. Yeah. And, and, and he goes, oh, cock. Or, right. Or something like that. Yeah. Well, earlier, earlier she does that. She said, you know, she makes like a cock sucking reference. And then later on when she realizes the three and a half years is when she says uh, F me with a CB. And he finally asks, he's like, what, what is a CB? And she said, a, a cheesy baguette. And I was like, what? I've never even heard that phrase before. But the whole idea that she can't say curse words, uh, it was very odd. I don't know. It speaks to a level of artifice, I guess, in her personality in that she it's not like she's so pure that she is not thinking of those phrases. It's just that maybe the person that she wants to show everybody doesn't actually say those things. She's still not completely the, the person that she that she wants to project in any way. Interesting. So, so you think the artifice is that she doesn't say curse words? It's as she projects the idea that she doesn't say them. But in actuality, she goes right up to the limit of the saying point them of it. And, right. and then still telegraphs what her intentions are. But in this kind of fake way where she doesn't actually say the words, but everybody still knows what she means, except for that cheesy baguette thing. That is a particular kink, I think, that maybe only extends to Karen herself. You know, I saw this online I, I met, and I wanted to ask you about it. What do you think of them naming this character, in particular Karen, with this new, you know, in the last year or so, the idea of Karen, you know, oh, she's such a Karen, that idea of like the difficult woman or just someone you don't want to be around idea. You think it was just a happy accident because this show had been in development for a little bit or was this a late maybe name character change to, yes, this woman obviously has to be named Karen. I'll go with B on that. Oh, late, like they might have given her another name up to that point. They decided to take advantage of the groundswell against Karens that's been happening in yeah, social media. I, I think I think so. I think, you know, uh, I think the idea is that this Karen will now be the poster child for the idea of Karen. I think, uh, you know, maybe that's some kind of viral marketing that they're going to get going. You know, the, the name now has a face. 
and the face is Karen on Avenue 5. So she although she's sort of the other side of the the leadership now now that she's part of the leadership she's sort of the I, I want to I'm not saying this particularly effectively um you know up to this point she had been on the other side of the uh equation from the captain and and his team she'd been sort of a rabble rousing uh, uh passenger and so when we were talking about Judd and and his approach to to leadership equating um, money with intelligence and that possibly being a commentary on certain things and certain people in our world. Um, Even though Karen wasn't really part of that conversation, I wonder if we're supposed to kind of look at the show's approach to leadership at all in terms of that comparison. Because at the very end, when she um, is explaining how she negotiated the engineers down to three and a half years from from five from five yeah. yeah yeah that that made me it, it just reminded me a lot of of some of the speeches and statements that we've been hearing on the news about one thing or another and wondering if that's how they're basically painting certain certain things for us to consume be like oh well see that's a they really really came out on top of that negotiation like that sort of thing um and and even the, the 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 guy in the crowd is like I don't understand. The husband's like you don't understand. I don't understand. The only person that understands is her. And everyone's like yay. And then yeah, <laughs> that just yeah. reminded me of of the political debates from three years ago. It's true. It's true. It's a very uh, it's a very cynical way to look at it. But you know, I think real life actually proves the idea of Karen is probably much more prevalent in our society than than any of us would be actually comfortable really acknowledging. So I mean she's a she's definitely a boss the way that she Oh yeah. turns that whole situation around. Proving Ryan's ingenious idea. It it hits the road immediately. The worth of his idea of promoting her to work with him instead of against him. I think that scene immediately pays off for him. For right now anyway, the crowd is sated that it's three and a half years now. I had I have one big question left for you. Okay. And I think maybe the most important that came up during this episode was do you think Avenue Five looks like a big flying dildo in space? I didn't get that <laughs> from it. Uh, I did either, but go back and look at the very final shot of the episode and it's just the tip of the ship comes into frame. And I kind of stood there as the episode was ending, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I kind of see it. <laughs> I do kind of see. I do kind of see that comparison." I'll have to uh, I'll have to get a, another look at it. I guess it depends on your choice of of model and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, true, 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 true. I, I, I'll take another look. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening, let us know. Do you think Avenue Five looks like a big giant dildo? Yeah, if you're listening and you got this far, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. We're down to the dildo talk now, so it's you know it's getting good. This show, um, I want to really like it. It definitely gives me a couple of laughs every episode, and, and like real laughs, not like petty laughs, not like pity laughs. Um, but as at twenty eight minutes or thirty minutes to to get through all of that, I don't know if this show has the legs to go beyond one more season. It's a situation where, like on paper, it it should have been you know like a seven or eight maybe even a nine um given that they do have some very funny people acting um and writing um but it's just still boiling out to about a six it's like not it's not quite gelling with enough um uh 
uh, it doesn't rise above chuckling for me uh, often enough for yes. for what it what I was hoping for. Now, I agree, and you know, I, I'm trying to think of why because the concept itself is actually pretty good too. So it, you're right on paper. It's got. It looks like it's checking all of the boxes. So I just don't. I don't know. Is it too many different storylines, or it could be the, um, the writing? I don't know if it's the writing or the the pacing and the execution of it. I don't know. But something is not working, and it's almost like a fatal flaw in the system. It seems to me. It's like if I were to say excise a storyline at this point, it would obviously be Mia and Doug for sure. Um, but so that if I did that, I would gain back four minutes. Uh, in, in in a given episode maybe um so would any would those four minutes actually benefit the other storylines in a way where i were given what i've seen so far that i think that there would be that they would finally bring the the the, the funny um it with that extra time and uh i got i i doubt it <laughs> No, no, I agree. I think just being four minutes shorter uh, maybe works, <laughs> you know, or 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 doing it more. You know what I found really funny and I thought worked in this episode was the uh, was Karen and, and Ryan and uh, Matt in the in the cafeteria area where Karen starts going around to the different passengers because, of course, she knows all of them. Yeah. And she's like, you know, Max talk to them, you know, say words to them. And like, they all give their complaints in like a vignette style. Yeah. I think, I think that approach when you're dealing with the passenger side of the show is much more effective. I don't want to know Mia and Doug. If I hear from them, I want to hear little word snippets like, you know, someone called my kid a pig or, you know, um, uh, there was gum on my bed, you know, chewed gum on my bed, you know, stuff like that, like little vignette stuff that hits more like a one liner that then you can have the core cast react to. Yeah. Give me more of that, I think, would be a better use of your time than deep diving into particular uh, passenger stories. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, what they've given us, they tantalized us with the idea that they're connected to Rav, but then they, they basically showed us this week that Rav is not really interested in them, you know, individually. So Right, right. But we're not getting enough. I don't think we're getting enough Rav on the ground, though, either. Uh, you know, thinking back to last week, the the whole NASA thing, I, you know, I really enjoyed watching that play out. I don't know if it was the funniest thing, but I found it actually pretty good TV. Um, and she's obviously a strong actress, and there there are some talented people down on the ground there with her. Uh, I'd be more willing to spend time with them, use that Mia Doug time, and put us on the ground more. If you're going to introduce the idea of Mission Control as part of this story, then we got to spend more time there. Yeah. You know? I so. could go with that. Yeah, because she her uh, ability to deliver really biting British wit um, is is tops on the show. Um, she's mm-hmm. she's in the same league as, as Matt for delivering his little one liners. But I don't know. Something about her style makes it uh, sharper, I guess, for me. It's very British. Yeah. You're, you're right. It's a very British wit, which which does cut, um, I think, their tone. Whereas his his comments are more like. It, you have to think about it for a second like when he says to the man like you mentioned you're so happy um that that takes a second to process to be like uh-huh yeah he's he's making fun of the simple nature of this man but but right. her stuff is is more like it, you just i just get it right away what 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 she means and and right and i think it's uh i think you're right she would profit from a little more screen time she she would and you know she's got her peons down on the ground with her that all because they all seem to kind of fear her also but it, it's one of those kind of worker 
workplace comedy situations down there. You know, um, you got you got a little bit of this episode where she's talking to NASA, and then the guy comes and says, "Oh, this is not your area," and she she doesn't like that answer, and she's like, "Why isn't it my area? Everything is my area." And then he can he tells her he starts to tell her about the towel animals, and she's like, "That is not my area," and she like sends him away again <laughs> while the NASA lady's online listening to this whole conversation. Like that really works for me. I want I would like a lot more of that. Um, interaction than any of the Mia Doug stuff. So I don't know if if uh, if they haven't written out the back end of the show yet <laughs> or <laughs> or produced it, even though it airs in two weeks, uh, begins airing in two weeks. You know, give us more of on the ground, please, please, and thank you. Yeah, that for whatever reason, uh, that 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 bit of it reminds me of The Martian um, and the, kind of the the way that they were trying to solve things on the ground in in The Martian. Do you ever see The Martian? Oh yeah, I, actually, I'm a big fan of The Martian. So, okay, um, I'm not sure why, yeah. other than it's a mission control, <laughs> and, and that The Martian was mission control. But something about it just uh, seems. Oh, well, no, you yeah. got the whole like you know the Glover aspect of it, where he's like uh, trying to explain to him the, the slingshot idea, and he sets him up in a conference room in that movie, um, and he's just so disrespectful at all these people that you know are like the big wigs at JPL and stuff and NASA. Yeah, and he comes in like no, there's a lot of great stuff down on the on the ground there in that movie. Um, it, you know, it has it, that can almost have like a uh, the mission control can almost have like an office style workplace comedy vibe to it, which would be a nice contrast to whatever is happening up on the ship, whatever you want to call that kind of situational comedy. Um, I think I think the mission control can almost be its own kind of subset in the show mm -hmm. that I don't think they're taking advantage of. So, well, let's see. Predictions for next week. More floating body parts will break off uh, more than just arms and a hand now will be circling, will be orbiting the casket, still orbiting the ship. Um, I think Karen will ask ryan for some more demand she's she's gonna want more for the role she's playing on the ship or some kind of larger seat at the table i was thinking you know, the same she, thing that she would grab for more power what was the whole thing with when uh judd catches her coming out of the room with ryan did he intimate that him and ryan had slept together yeah yeah right i didn't miss that i didn't take that wrongly right no, there no. there was definitely there was definitely a uh mr bad in bed it was definitely familiar in the sense of i know you're not bad in bed not that i fantasize about it alone in my room that you're not bad in bed that i but no i actually have knowledge that you are not bad in bed yeah i don't know i want now it kind of throws in how did ryan actually get the acting job to begin with <laughs> <laughs> right is judd a 20 40 years in the uh, 40 years of the future harvey weinstein maybe of, i mean that does of, not seem far-fetched which again very interesting i would not mind again if they played that out i think that you know it turns out that he's just like really the sick lecherous he's not just adult that's rich but he's actually like a real piece of shit character I wouldn't mind exploring that. I think that would be interesting. This show has a lot of places to go. Obviously, we've been talking about it for five minutes now. It's just whether or not they pull the trigger on it and let the best elements, I think, float to the top. So what do you think happens? More Karen power. I think I think we're, I don't know, we may still get a little Cyrus, but I kind of largely think that he's done. Done. So we may get more of the actual engineers and maybe another wacky Judd idea since he's like a, a fountain of only good ideas. He's not not so much about the execution, but much more about the ideas. Because did we get resolution on his this week plan 
about the, the ships and and the vigil and and all that i know that no i mean the vigil the vigil i think is going to be something that continues because i see i feel like they just kind of started to put that in motion today uh-huh. i think that'll go to the larger costs of trying to get them home he came up with the 500 rescue ship plan when he thought it was still going to be a six month thing mm-hmm. i don't think he had learned i think that was before the three and a half years came out so i think that one that plan is going to get dumped for some new idea you know what this episode was missing what and it was something that you that you you hit on last week that i very much agreed with last week's episode which i think was a pretty good episode i think was good because of the strength of showing us the female characters mm-hmm. and this episode had very little iris who really i think had a standout week last week it had very little billy other than explaining cyrus and the engineers in the hole right and it had very little rav even though that should have been a major plot point with the press conference and everything else just things the show can do if it hasn't finished editing the back end of the season is give us more of those women less ryan less judd less cyrus less <laughs> matt they, more of less karen they, maybe, they can turn but the dial like more of cyrus down to zero really Yes, please put him in a casket and float him around the pl- around the ship. I think I think last week worked so well was because of you got so much of those good female characters who really just kind of you know you know blew the doors off the place. Looking forward to next time. This has been Mike from Pop Culture Review. This is Paul from Daily Review. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.